0: Hey, this is Daniel Beck from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to the Ottawa Champions on CKDJ
1: 107.9. Welcome to the August 20th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game located on TV and CKDJ 107.9. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with a familiar face, and that is Corey Mess, coming back on the show for the August 20th edition, and I believe the 27th edition of Around the Diamond. Corey, welcome back.
2: Dante, thank you very much. It's nice to be back off the uh, off the DL, talk a little baseball with you.
1: Absolutely, and of course, uh, a great show planned for you. As in this segment, we're going to talk about uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, we're going to talk about a situation that Josh Donaldson and manager John Gibbons had not too long, actually the, just the other day. A feud that they had in the dugout. We'll play uh, a couple clips from that, and then you'll hear our thoughts on that. And then our next segment, I'll be joined with TSN's Scott MacArthur, covers the Blue Jays in Toronto. And we'll see what he has to say about the Jays and J.A. Jays, Haps. Uh, excellent performance, his 17 wins on the season and in line for the Cy Young. He'll be coming up next. Then Ottawa champions Billy Horn uh, will be joining me as actually Scott MacArthur. two segments with him. So we had a nice talk. Billy Horn will come on in our fourth segment talk about the champions, and then Corey and I will finish things off with a little wrap-up of baseball in the past week and uh, maybe some more Major League Baseball talk along with uh, some champions talk, new acquisition the other day. We'll get to that later in the show. But, uh, Corey, I'm going to play for you a, a nice clip of uh, Josh Donaldson's comments and uh, John Gimmons comments on the situation that they had uh, just the other day. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. We'll be back in a few.
0: It was his second strikeout. He came back to the dugout and was unhappy and threw his bat into the dugout. And manager John Gibbons, we're seeing this for the first time as well, went and had something to say to Donaldson. And it got a little bit heated between the two, it appears. Donaldson given it back. Josh Toley got in there. Justin Smoke got in there as Donaldson was hot about either the strikeout or what Gibbons said to him. But that's uh, that's a little beyond your normal manager player conversation in the midst of a ballgame. Sometimes the cameras catch things and they they caught you uh, getting a little bit angry there. Uh, Can you maybe explain uh, your take of what happened there?
2: You know, I mean, I just come back to the dugout and hit my bat against the thing. And Gibby asked me what kind of cologne I was wearing. And I said, I said, it's this new cologne called Tom Ford. I just got it. He's like, really? Oh, so he kind of got pretty close to me and. I guess got a good whiff of it and I was like, hey man, back up. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, I'll give you some after the game. So then we separated. Is that
1: when Whiskey jumped in to get a smell as well? Yeah, he wanted to, he,
2: I think he liked it too. <laughs> yeah.
1: So
0: if any of us want to get a sniff, we're, we're in trouble, right?
2: Yeah, Just I mean, not, just don't get too close. You're in a good space right now. <laughs> it's actually quite nice. Thank you.
0: What, what happened in the dugout between the two of you?
2: It's none of your business. Well, actually, you know, I I told him after that first bat, you know, get a new bat. That one ain't working. I took the same one up there a second time. That didn't work.
1: He chose to break it, so I went down and told him, should have listened to me. <laughs> that was it. That was basically it. So those were John Gibbons and Josh Donaldson's comments, and Dan Schulman pretty much summing up the situation that happened uh, the other day between the Yankees or in a game between the Blue Jays and the Yankees, in which uh, they won that game. So Corey, let's just start off with your your initial thoughts on on what had happened in that situation. Is it really a big deal? Of course, Donaldson does get injured with a thumb injury, but at the end of the day, I think it's just you know two hot guys having an argument, at, and they'll just get past it.
2: Well, yeah, I'm not sure if the thumb injury is related to, to no, that. No, probably it's not. not. It's not like he threw a punch at Givens and, no. and hurt the butt and and hurt his thumb that way. The I, I think it's being completely overblown. What I saw a lot yesterday on on Twitter was that Gibbons and Donaldson had to be separated by Tulowitzki and Tully. Tulowitzki and Tully didn't need to do They just kind of stepped in. They, they stepped in there and separated two guys who were heated, but they didn't have to be separated. It wasn't that heated. I don't think they were going to come to blows, anything like that. I think it's just two guys, the middle of a long baseball season, on a very intense team. Donaldson, who we know is an intense guy. And, uh, and you know, he threw the bat. And I think that's where what Gibson had the problem with um uh we you mentioned before the show even uh in that BJ Upton or or excuse me Melvin Upton did that uh did that last year and and actually injured a player while throwing his helmet so it's that's not what you want to see and I think that's what uh, Gibbons told him and I think Donaldson called him on it they got a little heated
1: I think it's done now I don't think there's anything to worry about and you speak about Melvin Upton uh in post-game interview with John Gimmons, I was watching the other day, he actually called him B- BJ, and he was like, oh, BJ, oh, well, actually Melvin. So, I, people are still trying to get used to that. Yeah. I'm still trying to get used to that. So, uh, uh, obviously, uh, a, a name to kind of excuse there. Uh, is, uh, I'm going to shift over to the NL West. The Los Angeles Dodgers have now taken uh, the NL West. Oh,
2: sorry, Before before you go, can I just say one more thing yeah, real quick? Yeah, for sure. Um, the next inning... Donaldson and Gibbons were high-fiving each other after an RBI single by Russell Martin. So, that's why. I, I don't think this is an issue.
1: Yeah, I think that's why their comments with the reporters are like, you know what, it doesn't matter.
2: And and, and that they were joking about it. And yeah. that's why. Donaldson had the whole uh, cologne thing, which I thought was hilarious. Um, uh, you know, Gibbons was joking around a bit too with the whole change your bat thing. And so, that's exactly it. I, I I don't think it's serious at all. Two heated guys getting in each other's faces in the in the heat of the moment. And it was uh, it was done 20 minutes later.
1: And you're right about that, Corey. Shifting over uh, to some uh, other Major League Baseball talk, the San Francisco Giants have uh, not been good. They've lost, I believe, nine of their last 21 games. Or, sorry, they've won nine of their last 21 games. Have now free-falled to first place in the wild card spot. They are now 66 and 54, coming into the All Star break. They were, had the best record in baseball. That is the best record. Even better than the Chicago comes, Corey. They made a couple trades. They acquired Eduardo Nunez. They ended up trading Matt Duffy for Matt Moore at the end of the day to a pitching staff that I thought already had some strengths. They didn't think so. They went and acquired Moore, and they traded a good key piece that can fill in the lineup and off the bench. Now the Giants are no longer first in the NL West. The Dodgers have now passed them. I mean, what's it been with the Giants at this point? What do they need to do to turn things around in the season because you have Coedo and Bumgarner allowing one run. I mean, it, I, I believe Bumgarner the other day had a shutout going into the eighth inning, allowed a solo home run, and they lost one nothing.
2: No, and, and, you know, the offense is, is really stagnant right now. But you, uh, if you're a San Francisco Giants fan, I think it's a matter of waiting at this point. You, you have to wait until um the team kind of gets its and you for for most of the year and and that's why I, i'm not too worried for most of the year this team has been in first place um uh for the majority of the season and you know uh, you, you mentioned it as we were coming in hunter pence starts to get back but you need a couple other things as well you really need buster posey to get a little bit of his power back um uh you need uh, you're going to need a few more things from your lineup Um, uh, than what you're getting right now. The offense is the big thing. I know you're not a big fan of the Matt Moore move. I don't mind it. I'm not a big fan of it. uh, But um, I I honestly, I I think it's just a matter of waiting. It's just... It's a baseball season, and you hope
1: to round back into form. I, I I like the move to get Matt Moore. I just don't like what they give up. I'm a huge Matt Duffy fan, of course. Uh, well, and,
2: and I think you're right in that, that that's really affected their offense right now. He, I, I think he's an underrated or or was an underrated piece of
1: that team, I think. Last year, a 303 average, 71 RBIs. I believe he had 10 home runs. No, you know not not a guy who's going to hit it out of the ballpark, but a good But a guy
2: 7th all year and doesn't lose you a game and plays great uh, great defense. defense, not great defense, but plays but, very serviceable yeah. defense, very serviceable at the plate and yeah, will not cost you a game.
1: Taking a look at the I mean, if you look at the Giants defense, I mean, they went and acquired Nuñez uh, he placed third base. Joe Panik's hitting ninth. Angel Pagan, and, you know, they have a good team with Belt hitting third and Posey behind him. Brandon Crawford's been on a tear as well. But look at the bench. Connor Gillespie, uh, Andreazza Gregor Blanco's not bad, and Trevor Brown's the backup catcher. They have a good rotation as well. Uh, but, I mean, I'm really hoping the Giants can, because this is an odd year and they have a chance to win the World Series as far as I'm concerned. But another big uh, NL team that has, you know, been good, but has just lost a key piece to the lineup, and that is the Miami Marlins. Giancarlo Stanton is injured for the rest of the season. Uh, If they do make the playoffs, he will be back for then. uh, Out six to eight weeks, I believe, when he was trying to stretch a single into a double. Itro now hits sixth in the lineup and plays right field. I mean, do you think that losing Stanton in the Miami Marlins case will... Push them out of a playoffs push they're not going to make the playoffs at this point
2: it really worries me for them Uh, they've been a really fun story this year Um, it it would be nice to finally see a lot of those really good players get into the playoffs i thought that d gordon was really going to lift this team him coming back and and being back and um i think he does but absolutely and when he did come back they seemed like they'd been kind of rejuvenated but losing Giancarlo stanton I mean, Ichiro's been nice, but he is no Stanton, and uh, and so yeah, I I can't see Miami, um, uh, making it to the playoffs after that loss. I think it's just going to be too big for them.
1: I was watching uh MLB Network yesterday, and. They were talking, you know, some of the older NL guys, analysts on that team were talking. Like Mark DeRosa was saying that every NL team back in the day had a weapon that they could have off the bench. I thought the Marlins had an excellent weapon, Inichiro Suzuki, coming off the bench. And now he has to start. So I do think that they need to go out and acquire an outfielder. The Astros have now designated. But now,
2: now that the trade deadline's passed, who's an outfielder that's going to Astros a Astros just old?
1: designated Carlos Gomez for assignment. And he's now on waivers.
2: But he's been not good this year.
1: I understand, but I think that they need to take a shot at some sort of outfielder at this point. Maybe a guy that you know need, uses his speed to his advantage. Because when he was in Houston, he was just trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark.
2: Yeah, and, and he was a, a lot more of a complete player in Milwaukee. Yeah. And, um, it, it's a little strange
1: to see him like this, but... I think he needs to go back to Milwaukee. I really do. Because he hasn't had success in any other organization. The Mets and the Twins... And now with the Astros, Milwaukee was a place that he was just at home.
2: Well, and with Miami this year, does it come to a point? Because they've already said they don't want um, uh, Fernandez to go over 180 innings this year. He's getting close. He skipped some starts this season already. Mm -hmm. And so do you get to a point here at the end of the season where maybe if you don't think the playoffs is a possibility, you maybe shut down Fernandez and save save him for a playoff push next year?
1: And the rotation for the Miami Marlins isn't looking that good either because uh, they've lost Yin Chen and uh, and Adam Conley on the 15-day DL at this point. and And their trade fell through with the, with the Padres in which that once they did the physical, the trade was already complete. They couldn't get Colin Rhea in the deal. Mm-hmm. And now they just get Kashner for a good prospect and another pitcher uh, in Jared Kozart. So overall, uh, that move kind of puzzles me. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, I hope the Marlins make the playoffs. But we're going to take a quick break. Coming up next, we'll be joined with TSN's Scott MacArthur. That's all here on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9.
0: Hey, this is Jason Coker from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9
1: welcome back to the only baseball show in auto you're listening to around the diamond here on ckdj 1079 my guest joining me over the phone is tsn toronto blue jays analyst scott MacArthur. scott is a former ckdj algonquin college radio broadcasting program alumni and joins me here today scott happy to have you here and uh, welcome back to ckdj it's
0: good to be on with you donnie great to chat
1: And uh, thank you so much for coming on. And and now I want to start things off uh, with going, you know, what you had said yesterday on TSN 1050 um, about Ari Dickey and where he fits into the Blue Jays' postseason roster going forward. Yesterday uh, you talked about the Dickey situation and where he fits in going forward. So at this point, where where are the Blue Jays at in terms of where the knuckleballer fits in the Blue Jays' pitching staff at this point?
0: Well, I mean, I think we're engaging in a little bit of speculation this early because... Six or seven weeks left in the regular season, a lot can happen, uh, right? Guys can get hurt. Uh, People can badly underperform down the stretch, and and that could affect some decisions. But as we sit here today, I just don't see any scenario in which R.A. Dickey would be tapped to make a start in the playoffs. Um, There are definitely four starting pitchers who I would turn to before I turn to R.A. Dickey, and those names are obvious to anybody who's followed the team this year Aaron Sanchez Jay Happ Marco Estrada and Marcus Stroman and Francisco Lariano is also in the mix as an option he's not looked particularly good since coming to Toronto and has had generally a bad year uh, dating to his time this year with the Pirates but he's in the mix too so I don't see Dickey making a start and I also don't see R.A. Dickey being a factor out of the bullpen I just don't believe that manager John Gibbons would want to bring a knuckleballer in to pitch an inning or two uh, in a playoff game in relief of a starting pitcher or certainly in any sort of high leverage situation uh, late in a ball game. if you're in a tie game or you're down a run or two or up a run or two. So that leads me to conclude, especially when you factor in that you don't have to placate any ego or anything like that. Uh, because he's a free agent at the end of the year, and the Blue Jays will not, I, I do not believe, be bringing R.A. Dickey back next season. Um, that leads me to believe that, that this could be, for a different reason, uh, but this could be a lot like the Mark Burley situation of last year, where the veteran pitcher with the expiring contract who uh, could be retiring, and I underline could be, we don't know if R.A. Dickey's going to retire, uh, but he speculated on it before, he could be left off the playoff roster. And I think at this particular point, it makes sense. But again, you know, Aaron Sanchez is in that situation where starts are going to start to get skipped here and they're going to try and manage his innings. Marco Estrada has had two bad starts in a row and has been dealing with a back issue. Lariano's is not somebody you necessarily trust. I'm rhyming off a lot of names here. So anything can happen which could lead to a change in this philosophy over the next seven weeks. But as we sit here right now, I don't think Dickey would be on the playoff roster.
1: And you speak about R.A. Dickey being a knuckleballer, so it wouldn't go back to the way the Red Sox used Tim Wakefield back when they, when in 2004.
0: I wouldn't, no. And and the reason I say that is that I don't think Russell Martin wants to catch uh, R.A. Dickey in the middle of a ball game. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if R. Russell Martin wants to catch R.A. Dickey at the start of a ball game, which is why it hasn't happened at all uh, this season. But no, it's, it's an extremely difficult task on a catcher, especially if he hasn't done it in a while, number one, which is the case with Martin, and number two, if uh, you're bringing a guy into a ball game in the sixth or seventh inning and Martin's been catching a guy who throws 94, 95, 96, and all, all of a sudden he's got this weird fluttering pitch. I, I really just don't think it makes sense. I don't think uh, and it's really got nothing to do with R.A. Dickey, the person. But I really don't think that John Gibbons or a lot of people trust the knuckleball as a pitch, and nor should anybody really. Because some days you have a great knuckleball and you have bad results. Some days you have a, a less than a stellar knuckleball and and you're dominant. It's just a completely unpredictable, weird pitch. I, I just don't see, at this time at least, I don't see the Blue Jays' uh, throwing Dickey down in the bullpen and using him.
1: That's TSN's 1050s. Scott MacArthur joining us here on Around the Diamond. And yesterday, of course, you mentioned Eric Kratz. Eric Kratz is a guy who had spent some time with the Blue Jays, I believe, in 2014, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken about that. Yep. And, uh, of course, now that you mentioned that the Jays might take Ari Dickey out of the rotation, it seems like Josh Tolley will not be on the roster at that point going into the playoffs. So would you think the Blue Jays would call up Eric Kratz to see what he has left in the tank?
0: Well, I've, th- I've thought about that. I mean, Josh Tolle gets uh, kind of ragged on here in Toronto. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country, uh, people who follow the Jays closely. But Tully is a light-hitting backup catcher. There's no doubt about that. But there are not a lot of backup catchers who are very good hitters at all or are great hitters. And if they were better hitters, they would probably be starting catchers. And, in fact, there are some starting catchers around the major leagues who are not particularly good hitters. It's just that the priority of the position is defense. That being said, um, you know, Eric Kratz at least can step in the batter's box and, and provide a, an offensive threat. Uh, Doesn't mean that he's going to get a hit any more than two out of every time, 10 times up to the plate, but there's at least the threat uh, that he might be able to put one in the gap or even clear the fence. Uh, So that's, just, again, speculation on my part. To me, there is a reason uh, that they brought him in a couple of weeks ago on a minor league contract, and, and that just gives them some depth. Um, I believe at that time they, they granted Tony Sanchez his release, so mm-hmm. they were looking for some catching depth at Buffalo, and that is a warm body with major league experience who could be somebody who comes up when the rosters expand to 40 men on September 1st and then you can go forward and make a decision regarding the playoffs after that. Josh Tolle a really good guy, uh, great to deal with, well-respected teammate, um, but there's just not a lot of pop at all in that bat, and he's really a specific catcher at this particular point, catching the knuckleball. So I think you can put two and two together and get four on this one. If R.A. Dickey is not on the playoff roster, there's a reasonable ja- chance Josh Tolle won't be either.
1: And, Scott, you look at... Um the Blue Jays and having a six-man rotation. That leaves the Jays with only three players on the bench. That's Josh Tolley, Darwin Barney, and Darren Siciliani. Cic- of course, Jose Bautista and Kevin Pilar are injured at this point. So who would be the odd one out? Would it be Siciliani and Ezekiel Carrera? And the Jays kind of keep uh, Darwin Barney on the bench? How would, the, how would that kind of play out in, in terms of uh, keeping some players on the rosters and keeping the six-man rotation together?
0: Depends when these guys get back, because remember we're sitting here, you and I are talking. I think what is it, the 16th or, or 17th of, of August? We're only a couple of weeks away until the rosters expand to right. 40 men for, for the month of September. So, um, you know, Jose Bautista is on the disabled list, and from what I've heard, I mean, he's in a brace and and he's he's struggling right now. So he may need more than the 15 days, even though they expressed optimism. That he might be back right at the end of his disabled list stint. Um, unless he's a magic healer, he might need a few more than those 15 days. So maybe maybe it's into September before he's back. I don't know. would just be speculation on my part. Kevin Pillar's dealing with a thumb thing. I think you want to get that healed as best as possible before you bring him back at this point. Don't rush him. So if either of those guys do come back in, 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 in August, I think what you'd see is a guy like Siciliani probably – option to Buffalo, you don't want to start DFA'ing guys. Ezequiel Carrera is out of options, so he would have to clear through waivers before going down, um, and you run the risk of losing him. So any player with an option who can be sent to Buffalo without clearing waivers, which means you don't run the risk of losing him to another organization, those are the guys who are going to go first. So it would probably be Siciliani, but this could all be a moot point because in a couple of weeks – um, guys, uh, you, you know, the rosters will expand guys could start coming back at that time. And as for a three man bench, you know, it's, there's a lot of times over the course of a baseball season where a team carries 13 pitchers. It's just often five starters and eight relievers. In this case, it's strange that the Jays are going with six starters and seven relievers. And that's of course, because of the Sanchez situation. Uh, but 13 pitchers is not out of the norm. And in the American League, a short bench is typically okay uh, because you don't have the pinch hitting for the pitcher and the double switches and the different things that go on in National League games. And the Blue Jays are done with their interleague play this year, uh, so they don't have to worry about NL rules uh, between now and should they make the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, I think a three-man bench at this time is fine. You've got the backup catcher. You've got the backup middle infielder, and Darwin Barney, who can play plus defense at three different infield positions, second, short, and third. And then you've got the backup outfielder who can uh, cover, and that'll be anybody on any particular day, Carrera, uh, Siciliani, those types. So they they have balance on the bench, even if it is a short bench. And remember, we're only two weeks away from the rosters expanding, so that'll all get sorted out soon.
1: And you speak about the rosters expanding, that's Scott MacArthur joining us here on Around the Diamond. One name that kind of pops up to me, of course, last week I had Buffalo Bisons manager Gary Allenson uh, on the show, and he he spoke a little bit about how Chris Colabello has been struggling at the AAA level and uh, will most likely get, well, no, he's going to get the call up wh- when the 40-man rosters expand at the Major League level. Scott, in, as far as you're concerned uh, at, at this point, can Colabello come up and make an impact with the Jays in order to stay on the roster going forward into the playoffs?
0: Well, he actually, he's ineligible for the playoffs because right. the that's part of the deal with the drug suspension. So it's interesting that Gary Allenson told you that, um, and I suppose that's a possibility, uh, but Colabello is not hitting uh, at Buffalo right now, and he's striking out at a prodigious rate, and I just wonder what the point would be of, of bringing him up. Um, maybe he's a guy who could serve as the odd pinch hitter, and, and, and you see if he can get a couple of knocks for you over the month of September. He is generally regarded as a good teammate. um, But you're in the middle of a pennant race here uh, in real tight with Baltimore and Boston. Uh, If Colabello is around the clubhouse, that's going to lead to a couple of days of at least external discussion with the media being around about all the stuff that went on. Um, And is, is that appropriate at this Time of year. No, I mean I'm looking at Buffalo's. Uh, I'm looking at Calabello's numbers at Buffalo, and uh, I'm looking at what's gone on this year, and it's it's not immediately apparent to me um, what he has accomplished to earn uh, a return to Toronto. Um, so I, I really don't see him being an impact player, especially when you factor in uh, that he cannot play in the playoffs. Uh, regardless, um, it's a real unfortunate situation what went down for him. Um, But remember, this is a guy who played independent league ball for six or seven years and really had to grind his way to get to the major leagues. Um, You know, these things are fleeting when you make mistakes. And he made a very big mistake, and he's paying for it now. Um, I just don't anticipate him being a major factor for the Blue Jays this season.
1: TSN's Scott McArthur will join us for another segment of Blue Jays Baseball Talk and MLB Talk that's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.
3: Hey, this is Jared Lemieux from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9.
1: Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. Before, I was talking with TSN 1050's Scott MacArthur. Once again, joining me over the phone is TSN Scott MacArthur. And you speak about Colabello playing independent ball for six years. Of course, on that note, uh, Ottawa champion Sebastian Boucher has now passed him in RBIs and hits all-time uh, for number one in the Can-Am League. But now I want to shift over uh to finish off the, our, a little bit of Blue Jays talk here with J-Hap, and I've I've read some stuff online that people are kind of saying that J-Hap has a chance to win the Cy Young at this point. He has 16 wins on the season. I believe he's tied for number one in the league uh, with 16 wins with Rick Porcello at this point. His ERA is under three. Um, do, is is Hap a very strong candidate to win the uh, AL Cy Young?
0: Well, he absolutely should be a strong candidate. I, I mean, I, I don't think he has the name recognition and as much as we pay attention to the Blue Jays and they are very much Canada's team and they do get a fair deal of airplay on, on MLB network radio and, and on the MLB network on TV as well, the, the Blue Jays are not a going concern necessarily south of the border. So I, 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 wonder if Hap's name recognition or lack thereof, the fact that he's pitching in Toronto uh, may work against him. And he's got six weeks still where he has to be very, very good Uh, To to continue to be in the conversation, you know, Chris Sale of the White Sox was a guy that I tabbed early in the season as a real strong Cy Young contender. I know uh, he's been, uh, you know, he's not been posting any wins uh, since the start of July. Um, And there are some other names like Porcello, you mentioned that you can you can throw in there. It's a weird year because guys that you would think, um, you know, Dallas Keuchel is the defending Cy Young Award winner. He will not be in the conversation this year. Chris Archer of the Tampa Bay Rays will not be in the conversation this year. David Price of the Boston Red Sox will not be in the conversation this year. So it's a strange season that way because a lot of the names that we're used to talking about and debating over at this time of year for the Cy Young will not be factors. Um, So, yes, J-Hap absolutely should be considered a candidate. Aaron Sanchez, although... Uh, you know, the fact that they're probably going to have to skip a few starts between now and the end of the season might hurt his stock. He's another guy who deserves Cy Young, who deserves Cy Young consideration. So, um, yes, Jay Happ deserves to be a candidate. Uh, I would give him at this point an outside shot at winning it, but we're conversing in the middle of August. If he has a dominant next six weeks and ends up winning 20 plus games and has a sub three ERA, uh, chances are. Uh, he could end up at the front of the list. But there's a lot way to, a lot of time to go between now and then.
1: And uh, Scott, of course, no one would have thought that Jay Happ would be a, a Cy Young candidate at this point, especially uh, with the loss of David Price, the Jays go out in the offseason and get Happ. But I want to move over to the team uh, that the Jays are playing in this series, and that's the New York Yankees. And a new look New York Yankees with a whole bunch of young guys coming up, um, I believe it's Austin and Judge are the two uh, big names that have kind of been called up with the Yankees in the last couple games. Of course, Arod is now retired. A new look Yankees. I mean, going forward, as a Blue Jays analyst and even looking from a fan point of view, I mean, the AL East is gonna is gonna be shaken up quite a bit because the Yankees going forward uh, have a pretty good young team and could develop uh, a good back into a contender again.
0: Well, definitely. And what if they go out and sign Jose Fernandez? The yeah. front there starting rotation as a free agent in a couple of years What if they signed Bryce Harper to a monster half-billion-dollar deal when he hits free agency in the not-too-distant future. I mean, there are definitely ways that they could further improve their team. And just because they are in a bit of a rebuilding going young doesn't mean that the Yankees aren't flush with money. Uh, they're just approaching things differently. They'd like to get under the $189 million uh, tax threshold. Uh, on salaries, uh, they're tired of paying the luxury tax, so they'd like to restart the clock on that. Um, but they will be players down the road. and I mean, I think reading yesterday, of course, that Nathan Evaldi, uh needs a couple of different elbow surgeries that is, that's going to keep him up for the rest of this year and for 2017. That's a hard-throwing starting pitcher, not necessarily a dependable guy every fifth day, but that's another arm you take out of the equation for next year I think they're going to be patient and let some of these kids play over the next 16 to 18 months. I think 2017 might be, I don't want to say a throwaway year, uh, but a year where they're assessing some of this young talent before they dip hard into the free agency pool. This coming off offseason uh, is not uh, considered strong for free agents. So this is the right time for them to rebuild. Teixeira is going to retire. His money is off the books. Arod is gone, although he is being paid. You get down to it, and you start to, I mean, they might even, again, there were rumors around the trade deadline, they may try and peddle their catcher, Brian McCann, in the offseason, uh, get his money off the books. Say It could be very soon that it's really just Jacoby Ellsbury who has an albatross contract, and New York can wear that because it's, as I said, flush with money. Uh, but this is a transition period for New York. Uh, Anybody who's followed the game for the last 20, 25 years uh, finds it weird um, to see the Yankees kind of on the outside looking in. Um, I know that they are within uh, the range of the wild card, but I think there are four teams between them and and the second wild card spot right now. So if they're four and a half, five games out of that second wild card spot, don't look at the games behind, look at the teams in between. Uh, The math really is not their friend, and I just don't think they have the talent this year over the final six weeks to stay in the race. So they're rebuilding, um, and as that relates to the Blue Jays, you look at the awful season the Rays have had, they would have to have a huge bounce back, um, really close to unprecedented bounce back, to be a factor next year. That tells you that Toronto has a window here that could extend beyond this season. Um, and that doesn't mean that everybody's coming back because the Jays have a lot of free agents. Uh, but they are drawing well. They have eyeballs watching them on TV. They have income coming in. Uh, they should be reinvesting that if they, you know, if ownership allows them in the product. Um, and, and this could be another two- or three-headed race in the AL East next year involving the Jays, Boston, and Baltimore, depending on how the offseason shakes out. But, yeah, it's very weird to see the Yankees uh, not – uh, in not in the conversation uh, you have to go back to the late 80s, early 90s uh, for New York teams that were finishing at or around or below 500.
1: TSN's ten, uh, TSN's uh, Scott MacArthur Here with us on Around the Diamond. And finally, I want to finish off uh, this segment with going uh, to Alex Rodriguez. Of course, uh, Joe Girardi had came out and said that we're not doing any more farewell tours. His career is over, but there's been some rumors speculating that the Marlins are interested in Rodriguez. I want to hear your thoughts on that, but I also want to hear uh, what you you think of the Marlins going forward because Stanton is now injured. They're in a postseason race, I believe second in the wildcard race at this point and are trying to make the playoffs but this is a team that, as as we talked about before with Colabello, D Gordon was suspended and is ineligible for the playoffs. So, do the Marlins make the playoffs, and do they make a push for either Rodriguez or uh, Carlos Gomez at this point?
0: Well, I don't think they're going to make. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Nationals will will take the division. So, their shot is at the wild card game, and that would be. Uh, at this point, it looks like it would be against the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, but the St. Louis Cardinals are playing better baseball of late, and the Cardinals have a winning tradition and you know may end up pulling ahead and away here. Florida's or Miami, I should say, is in a tough spot with the Stanton injury that you talked about. Um, it gets complicated in August uh, because you, you can't really make blockbuster trades because it's impossible to get the big names uh, through waivers. Um, unless a a team is just fed up with a monster contract and is, is willing to let a guy walk. I mean, I think of Alex Rios uh, a number of years ago with the blue Jays, that was an Mm -hmm. August waiver situation where the white Sox placed a claim to block a trade. And the Jays said, well, you can have them. Uh, (laughs) But that doesn't happen very much. So uh, they're in a tough spot without Stanton and, uh, A-Rod is not a guy who would come in this year and solve their problems. A-Rod's PR agent has said Alex will not be playing baseball this year, so don't expect to see him sign anywhere. I do think, though, A-Rod wants to take a run at 700 home runs, and he's only four away. And I do think that there's a team out there that would be interested in bringing him on and promoting around that. And the Miami Marlins make sense because their owner, Jeffrey Loria, is a little off the wall. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I know that that's a sensitive name up in in the Ottawa area, the old Expos fans, and rightfully so. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe he's a Miami Marlin next year. I don't know what kind of role he would play. I don't think you want him at third base anymore. There's no designated hitter in, in the uh, National League. But it certainly was a strange scene. I mean... We don't do farewell tours anymore. Interesting comment. I wonder if that was Girardi's decision or if it came from higher up, because if I recall correctly, the New York Yankees allowed Derek Jeter to hit second in the lineup for the entirety of 2014. And if you look at his numbers uh, in Jeter's final year, he was a nine hole hitter. Um, He was not a two hole hitter. And that probably cost them a few victories down the, down the pike over that course of that season. And, and they missed the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, is A-Rod done? I wouldn't put it past him to come back because A-Rod, he's a spotlight guy, and uh, if he thinks he's got another shot at the spotlight, I think he'll jump at it. So it'll be fascinating to watch, although I, I don't think he's a guy who can solve a problem for a team this year. Carlos Gomez, um, he's had a really bad year in Houston, and his act Works when a guy like him is playing well. The act does not work when there's no production. And I, I just don't know if he's a problem solver either for a team at this particular juncture.
1: And uh, that's TSN's 1050s, Scott MacArthur, Blue Jays reporter. Uh, that's going to wrap up this segment, our Blue Jays talk and uh, Major League Baseball talk. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, best of luck for the Blue Jays the rest of the year. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, reach out anytime, Dante. It was fun. Thanks.
1: That was TSN 1050 Scott MacArthur joining us here on the Round the Diamond. And what an interview that was as, I mean, this guy knows his baseball. I'll tell you that. But coming up next, I'll be joined with Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn over the phone. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9.
3: Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9.
1: Welcome back to the only baseball show in Ottawa. You're listening to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Before, I was talking to Toronto Blue Jays analyst Scott MacArthur, now joining me over the phone and making his first appearance on Around the Diamond since mid-May is Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn. Billy, welcome back to the show.
3: Hey, Dante, how's it going? Thanks for having me out here.
1: And uh, we're doing great here. And, of course, um, to start off this segment, Billy, I want to ask you about young Carlos Hill, uh, just been named Player of the Week. That's his second time this season that he's uh, got that award. And what can you tell us about what you and uh, and he'll have kind of done this season? He's a guy who has played in high A with the Atlanta Braves system, had some experience at the age of 25, comes over here with that experience, and has uh, really performed well this season with you guys.
3: Oh, he's been fantastic for us i mean um he tends to get uh, outshined a little bit by crisman and cordero cuz they made the all-star team and you know cordero made pitcher of the month uh one month and he's got a couple of uh weekly awards but you know you can't short you know uh, gil at all he's been fantastic for us he's been a leader for us and he's won some big golf, uh, big ball games for us throughout the season you know he uh, he takes the takes the ball every time you know we ask him to and He just goes out there and he competes and he gives, you know, 150% and uh, always gives us a chance to win.
1: And, of course, Billy, uh, uh, you guys lost the doubleheader versus the Sussex County Miners. You guys have kind of had a little bit of a tough road trip so far, and it seems like when you guys go on the road, um, your pitching's a little bit down from when you're at home. Is that because of the ballpark effect, or is it just uh, pitchers not really comfortable when they're on the road against the Miners as well?
3: No, I think it just happens. You know, I... And, and it may sound weird to say this but i think this is kind of something we need you know because over the last couple of weeks we've been winning a lot of ball games and you know we've kind of gotten our heads held high a little bit but we haven't done anything yet and i think this road trip is a reminder that we haven't clinched a playoff spot yet you know we, we haven't won a championship yet so i think this is a good humbling experience for us to you know lose a couple of ball games to you know to a ball club that's um hey they're a very b- good ball club you know they've done a lot of Player personnel changes, but you know, right now they're on the outside looking in. So, for us to come down here and and um, you know not win a couple of games is kind of a good thing because I hope it sends a message to our guys that says we haven't done anything. We've got to play better. So hopefully this will be a little bit of a wake up call, and we can come out tonight and uh, and end the the road trip on a positive note.
1: That's Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn joining us here on Around the Diamond, and uh, Billy, of course. Uh, a few weeks back, you went out and acquired a veteran outfielder, a guy who, you know, at the age of 29 has MLB experience with the Cardinals, a World Series ring, and that's a guy in Adron Chambers. And, of course, Billy, um, what can you tell us about how that kind of played out and how you kind of acquired Chambers and the decision to kind of uh, bring him onto the team and, and why he helps you guys so much in the lead-all spot?
3: Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago I had gotten a call in regards to him, and this just so happened to be um, right around the time that um, – You know, Derek Piles had to go home for for the birth of his child. And, you know, anytime that happens, especially in independent baseball, you don't know if, you know, your hitter is going to come back. You know, you never know if, you know, you know, God forbid, you know, his wife may have complications or there's something with the baby. And right around that time, we had gotten, I had gotten a call on Chambers, and this is a guy who can run. This is a guy who can hit the ball all all over the field. He can play defense. He's got a pretty good arm in the outfield. And, you know, now we've put him in the leadoff spot. So, you know, it was a tough decision at the time, but you know, again, we were in limbo. We didn't know if Piles was coming back in, in a week, in a month, if he wasn't coming back at all. So, I mean, anytime you you can get a chance to have a, a veteran veteran player like that, um, you got you got to you know, you got to just roll the dice and, 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 and make the move. And and it's been great so far, and he's been really really good with especially our younger players, just talking about the game and talking about hitting and you know what, what what did you see in that pitcher what is he throwing so it's been uh it, it's been great having Adron here
1: and of course billy you uh you're, you you live in florida adron chambers is a native of florida so that did that kind of go into effect yeah. when acquiring him
3: <laughs> no not really i mean we have a lot of florida guys on our team including myself and and our manager and and many of our players but uh, he's from pensacola he's from all the way he's more louisiana than he is florida okay <laughs> but don't tell him i said that
1: I won't and uh, and of course staying on the topic of Adron Chambers uh, just from talking to him he brings a lot of experience to the team but in his first night uh, you hit him fourth and then you now um, what went through the decision to put him lead off because Albert Cartwright was a guy uh, throughout the season who's been leading off for you guys getting on base and getting a lot of hits Um, was it just you know putting a left handed bat with lots of speed at the top of the lineup and then putting a righty to kind of balance that kind of thing out?
3: Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, we had spoken with Albert a little bit here and there, and Albert's been leading off for us, you know, all year and pretty much most of last year. Uh, but just talking with Albert, you know, he said he's very comfortable hitting, too, and, and he really enjoyed it, but also, like he said, having a lefty and then a righty uh, to set up for our big lefties in the uh, in a lineup, that uh, that was the, pretty much the end decision there. Plus, he can run really, really well and gets on base, so it, it was a pretty easy decision.
1: Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn joining us here on around the diamond I want to go to a guy that you ended up acquiring in the offseason you traded Nick Juraputo along with Drew Cisco for Kenny Bryant or to the rights to Kenny Bryant um uh, back and forth Kenny wasn't too sure if he wanted to come this season but he ended up uh, you know he said you know I'm gonna make another kick at the can and he's back with you guys and having his career season I mean, how big of a player has Kenny Bryant been for you guys? Not only a guy who can shift from center to right to first base, can DH a little bit, but he's been hitting the ball all over the ballpark, especially against the minors this season.
3: Oh, yeah, Kenny's been fantastic for us. Um, Right now he's second in the league in RBIs. He's got double-digit home runs. He's got his average. I think he's hitting right around 260 or so. And like you said, he can play anywhere. You know, he can play center. He can play right field. He can play first. He can DH. So he's been very, very, very valuable to us. And, you know, a fantastic guy in the clubhouse, quiet, professional guy, goes about his business. And he's a big left-handed bat in our lineup, and he has a chance to, you know, not only knock it out of the ballpark, but also drive runs anytime he's at the plate.
1: And, of course, um, going back to a couple weeks ago, uh, both your two two pitchers, Daniel Cordero and Austin Crisman, were named to the uh, self-All-Stars team representing at the uh, American Association All-Star Game. And, I mean, how big was that not only for them to maybe uh, get a few scouts seeing what they have left in the tank at the age of 23 for both of them, but just what you have done with them this season in order to get them to this point? Because even with the loss of Wilmer Font, these two guys have stepped up and been real aces for your team.
3: Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, we've spoken about that. You know, with when we had lost Wilmer, we were really happy. You know, and then we kind of turned and, and said, well, what do we do now? <laughs> but we really didn't have to worry about that because our guys just stepped up and they've been pitching great all year. And um, it's fantastic. You know, Hal and I are on the phone all the time with scouts and trying to get these guys' looks, you know, and, and they've been fantastic for us all year. So, you know, if, uh, if they're with us throughout the rest of the regular season and the playoffs, uh, you know, we're, we're real excited to see what they're going to do for us and, you know, give us a chance to, to win more ball games and, you know, hopefully win a championship.
1: And of course, Billy. Uh, one thing, just from some fans that go to the ballpark, they kind of look at Austin Chrisman and they see that he doesn't light out the radar gun, light up the radar gun. He throws 89 to 91 with good movement on the fastball, but it's kind of his breaking stuff that really makes him a good pitcher. And as far as you know, some people are concerned, they say you got to throw 95. So, what is it with Austin Chrisman that makes him uh, the ERA leader in the Can-Am League at this point? He
3: he throws strikes, and the most important thing is that he throws strike one. You know, if you look at the old statistic in baseball, I mean, hitters are hitting, I think, right around 100 when the count's 0-1. You know, when the count's 1-0, then it jumps up significantly to maybe like 270 or 280. So he's constantly getting ahead, and he's also, like you said with his breaking ball, he has the ability to throw his breaking ball for strikes, which, I mean, if you can, if you can locate your fastball throw your breaking ball for strikes, it doesn't matter how hard you throw or what level you're at, you're, you're going to be successful.
1: And of course, before we we go, uh, you guys went out and acquired uh, Jonathan Salcedo, I believe, uh, a backup catcher for you guys, a guy um, who speaks some Spanish, which is always nice with how many Latin players you have on the team. Uh, Billy, I mean, how did you guys find uh, Mr. Salcedo? I I know he's from the univers- University of Maine, but how did you guys guys go out and acquire him and uh, and put him as a backup on the team? And of course, what did you think of his uh, of his start last night in the doubleheader?
3: Yeah. We, uh, we also have a player procurement guy uh, that's back in the States that works for us, and he runs camps and things of that nature. And uh, Salcido was at one of his camps, and, you know, we were looking for a catcher, and we made the call and said, hey, you know, who do you got? And he recommended uh, Salcido to us, and he did fine last night. I thought he called a very good game last night. He blocks well, he receives well, and he can really throw the ball. He throws the ball really, really well. He's got a cannon. So, you know, we're very pleased with him right now to come in and – you know, he'll get his starts throughout the, t- the week and, you know, he'll be able to spell spell Grower, you know, and um, we're very happy with him. We're very happy. He's a great kid. He does. He speaks Spanish. He speaks English. And, um, you know, he fits right in with our ball club.
1: And just to follow up to that, last night, this kind of came to my attention. It was uh, the first time this season that Austin Chrisman had not thrown to Danny Grower. I mean, what kind of went through your, your, your thought process in putting Salcido against a very uh, good pitcher in Crisman uh, catching him last night?
3: Well, with the doubleheader, you can't have you can't have somebody catch two games. You just can't do that. So um, we just felt that you know, um, Cordero and 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 Grauer would have been a better combination. And you know, Chrisman, he did. I asked both of them, and they both you know, Chrisman said, "I don't care. I'll throw it to whoever. It doesn't matter. Just give me the ball." You know. So you know, we kind of went off of that, and and, and uh, that made our decision, and made it pretty easy. And you know. And unfortunately, we you know we came on the uh, short end of the stick last night, but we got another ball game today, and you know we'll see how it goes.
1: And that's Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course, your team is sitting at uh, forty-four and thirty-eight. Coming back home for a nice big home stand, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and best of luck tonight and the rest of the season.
3: Appreciate it. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting back home and getting out of this humidity.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the rain's been pretty bad there. So, uh, I mean, maybe to get out of that, what must be nice, eh?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting back home and getting back to our Ottawa fans and, you know, the cooler weather and, you know, just nothing like playing at home.
1: Absolutely, Billy. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on.
3: You got it, my man. Have a great day. Enjoy the game, and we'll see you later on this week. This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9.
1: Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Before, I was talking with Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn. Once again, joined back in studio with me is Corey Mess to talk a little uh, baseball, Major League talk, and uh, Ottawa Champions talk. As we we want to announce a big move, the Ottawa champions go out and get a another starting pitcher in Steve Burkowski. I believe that's how you say his name, Corey.
2: Yes, yeah, Steve uh, Steve Borkowski picked up a uh, San Diego, California native, 23 years old. Dante um, pitched in college at St. Catherine College in Kentucky and also San Diego Mesa College. And, and at San Diego Mesa College, that's where he really made his bones um, a couple really good seasons with them as a 19- and 20-year-old. And so then was picked up by the Atlanta Braves organization. Pitched in rookie ball in the Braves organization with Danville in 2015. Um, Had 10 appearances with them. Not a great ERA. But then he came back last, uh, or, or excuse me, he came back this year and has 10 wins. And uh, and no in losses in the Pecos League has yeah. absolutely dominated the Pecos League. The uh, the champions have had success picking up guys from the Pecos League. Uh, Danny Grauer comes to mind, um, and so uh, this could be a, a good signing for the uh, for the Ottawa Champions. Dante, we know that manager Hal Lanier has played with the uh, played with the thought of maybe having a six person rotation. Borkowski uh, 12 starts in his second season at Mesa Community College also he started in the Pecos League so he knows what he's doing there has a good hard fastball 92 93 um, and I think he'll be a good addition to the champion starting rotation
1: and you're right about that. Per Brett Lufner of the Sussex County Miners, of course, he came on our show last week and I believe three weeks before that. Uh, he had said that he was around 93, 94 miles an hour as a starter. And that's you know what Daniel Cordero has been at this season. So it's nice to get a live arm in the champions rotation as far as I'm concerned.
2: Uh, yeah, a 10-0 and record just to confirm with Tucson in the Pecos League, a 272 ERA in 79 innings. He has 92 strikeouts, Dante. So he's been very successful um, with Danville um, uh, last year, uh, 20 innings, 14 strikeouts. Only six walks, so uh, he's a pretty talented pitcher, and I'm excited to
1: see him with the uh, with the champions. And of course, we'll try to get him on around the diamond maybe next week uh, to talk about. Uh, his career and uh, what he brings to the Ottawa champions. But I'm going to move over uh, to a big topic, and that's going to the Atlanta Braves system. Uh, the Braves call up Dansby Swanson, gets his first major league hit the other night. From A to the major leagues, they go out and trade Eric Ibar to the Tigers, I believe, and call up Swanson. And Corey, just last year... A year ago, pretty much just a bit over a year, Swanson was drafted first overall by the Braves, and now we see him up in the major leagues. Do you think it's more and more common to see first overall picks or high draft picks a year out of college making the major leagues at this point? Because it's happened quite a bit this season.
2: Well, uh, absolutely. It's so impressive, and when you look back and— See and remember that they got Swanson for Shelby Miller. Yeah, What a fleecing by the Atlanta Braves. Just a tremendous trade for them. And it puts them in such a good position going forward. They recently had a four-game win streak. I know they're the worst team in baseball but I think there there is some positivity with the, surrounding the Braves right now.
1: And they think with acquiring Matt Kemp that they have a chance to be competitive in the next 2 years. And I think that just the way things have gone with the new stadium and you know how many fans they've been able to bring to the ballpark cuz it's been horrible in that category they need to kind of spark things in that city I think at this point well and,
2: and the, their favorite player or my favorite player on their team and, and he could be their favorite player too because I think he's been the best guy on that club this year is um is NRS i yeah he's just been so good he is an A++ plus plus defender hitting over 300 non-base percentage just under 400 this year and uh and so y- you look at all the different talent they have they still have Freddie Freeman they've got Matt Camp. They've got your favorite Julio Terra and yeah. and they they're
1: looking fairly good going into next year, I think. And that's a you know a tough NL East because the Mets and you have the But is it really that tough? Well the Nationals and Nets have been good.
2: The the Nationals have been good. I think the Mets are falling off a bit right now. Um and uh, I think
1: with the Mets pitching Oh, go ahead. I think no. I, I was just gonna say. I think with the Mets pitching, that they that that's gonna be that division for them in the next couple of years. Uh,
2: you you would think so, but a lot of the young pitchers haven't been as good or they're taken that step forward it, yeah. this year. No, that's not to say they won't do it next year. I'm just saying it's hard to to project the next five years, especially when you, when we see Atlanta. They've got some. They've got some talent coming forward.
1: And you're right about that. The Atlanta Braves and they've really struggled to bring in tickets. One thing I, I follow the Braves. I follow pretty much every MLB team on Twitter. And the Braves always tweet. They give tickets away to people. They, they, you know, people tweet at them and say, Hey, I'd like, uh, you know, my wife and I are, are, uh, I've been married this many years. And we'd like to come out to a Braves game. We've never been. Oh, sure. Here's some tickets. We'll ho- hook you up with this, this, and that. And, and I think that's, you know, the Braves are really struggling to get that fan base back because they. We were so good in the 90s in the early 2000s and have really fallen off since
2: now my one thing is we've seen with the yankees and some of these other teams that have tried to rebuild you need to have those prospects can you, oh, see you look the, at the yankees well well that's what i mean and, and maybe we'll get into them after this braves conversation but um do you think that the Braves need to make one more deal, trade a Freddie Freeman, trade? An, I don't and think they. I don't
1: think they need. To, well, they acquired NCR to in the deal for uh, for Shelby Miller, and they got Swanson. But, so I think you keep those two. But, but I don't but think you, you could trade. get a lot
2: back for either of those guys right now. I or I, or Julio Teheran. And, I, I listen. And you got to keep I, your I race. think they might need. I think I, I agree with you that they should keep Teheran. But Freeman and uh, and NCRT, you don't get a
1: listen. I know Freeman's a plus defender at first. This guy can hit. I'm see, I like Freeman as a, as a good first baseman, although I, I don't really feel the market's that high
2: for first base. And Freeman is younger than NCRT, so we come back to NCRT and do
1: because I believe at the Freeman's twenty five. Trade
2: deadline. The Yankees were in for NCRT. even though they ended up being sellers. They liked NCRT. Well,
1: I who who doesn't right? i
2: or or maybe someone like a Mike Faltenowitz or something like that.
1: I like Falten. He throws a hard
2: I, ball. Absolutely, and and I think, but a, a lot of this is potential. Potential's a big word, but if you're not producing, you're John, not doing anything.
1: Hey, former MLB Network analyst John Hart. He's he's a good man. He knows what he's doing over there. <laughs> and and I believe he does. But
2: I I do think they need to make one more trade. Um, but I don't think profit. they trade a
1: star. They just acquired Matt Kemp. Why would you take on that salary if you don't want to be competitive in the next two years? Because I think that they want to bring a good team to the ballpark. I don't ballpark understand
2: court. why signing Matt Kemp makes you competitive all of a sudden. Well,
1: they traded for him.
2: But, but exactly. Why does that make you competitive all of a
1: sudden? Well, they said that they think that... They, they Like, Matt, listen, their leader in home runs was 18, and that's Freddie Freeman at the time when they made the campaign. I don't know what it is right now. Kemp has 25. They want guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark because they want people to come watch the games.
2: Kemp has 25 in a, in a bad ballpark this year, but that's also all he does. He doesn't hit great for average. And he used so, to,
1: yeah. Do, do you
2: really see I, him? Maybe they're hoping bad?
1: for the Matt Kemp because he's a guy, a fan favorite, a guy that's going to bring people to the mm-hmm. ballpark. He's a guy that was excellent in the Dodgers with the Dodgers. And he, this is a guy who uh, was a 40-40 player. And had a chance to be a, the first 50-50. But he's
2: not. He's not going to be a 40-40 guy this year. No. And and I don't think ever again.
1: Well, one guy that I'm. You speak about 25 home runs. Brad Miller, his 25th the other day, and he's a guy who's wasn't was a backup with Seattle. 25 home runs and 60 RBIs with the. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays, and quickly before we go, Corey, uh, what are your thoughts on the Yankees right now? They trade a whole bunch of guys and bring in young talent, and these are guys at the major league level. You look at uh, Judge, six foot seven. Uh, what is it? Two hundred and eighty. How, how much does he remind,
2: remind you of Giancarlo Stanton?
1: Well, it's. It, Except for the height, yeah. Stanton's not six seven, but I mean this dude but, is hitting it out of the ballpark. But, but Stanton's still a taller guy. I believe he's like six five. Uh, six yeah. five,
2: something like that. So that that's why I come up with that comparison. I don't think they're the same height, but just their body type yeah. is very similar. Well, they brought
1: them. up Austin, Judge and Sanchez. And these are guys that are playing excellent at the major league level. What do you think of the transition of the Yankees at this point?
2: Well, I mean, they're clearly the Yankees are are slowly getting themselves into a position, but maybe, maybe it's not as slowly as we think, because, you know, I think all of a sudden there's a little bit of excitement. They've gone uh, eight and five since uh, kind of making those deals or eight and five this month, since making those big trades, since bringing up these younger guys. And all of a sudden, like they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're, they're kind of flittering around that second wild card spot. And, you know, I, I think this is a team that has nowhere to go but up. You still have Glaber Torres. You still have Clint Frazier. Right. Uh, they haven't come up yet, but you look at the possible core that this Yankees team is going to create. You mentioned Austin Judge, Sanchez. You have Torres coming up. You have Frazier coming up. Does Didi that's, stay? That's dynamite. But I but I think you want to build around those young players you have as well. Didi's been Didi's under twenty five. Starling Castro's still under twenty five, and he's been very good. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of young talent on this team that you can still build around.
1: The only older guy is Jacoby Ellsbury at this point. I think the Yankees need to go out and get some pitching. Um, And just like what Scott MacArthur said early in the show, he said... I would be very afraid you put this young position player talent and you put the money with the Yankees, they go out inside maybe a Jose Fernandez or Bryce Harper or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's just what Scott said. and, And when
2: the Yankees were at their best in the late 90s, early 2000, that's what they did. They had their core guys that they built around. And then around, they built
1: around. With but, the, then, yeah.
2: but then they spent the money on guys like Hideki Matsui, who was the biggest Japanese signing at the time. They went and bought Gary Sheffield. They went and got Alex Rodriguez. And they, uh, they really created that. So I think that's what the Yankees want to do the most. And I think with these young guys, that's what they're in the position to do.
1: And you're right about that, Corey. That's going to wrap up the August 20th edition of Around the Diamond. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Of course, tune in next week. We'll have a champion's new signee or or tradee or whatever you want to call it, Uh, Adron Chambers, come on the show, uh, and maybe we'll have uh, the new pitcher that they signed, as we talked about uh, earlier in this segment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. You can follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante. Corey, former inside man. Thank you so much for listening to Around the Diamond. We'll see you next week.